All right, Saints fans, welcome to week three of the Globro Saints Show. We have a lot to talk about tonight after that performance we watched today. Yeah, that was that was a tough one. Uh, Twenty-seven to nine goes the Rams' way. Uh, only the third time under the Sean Payton era that we've been held without a touchdown. Um, it was a very, very sickening loss, uh, not only because of the way we played, but obviously because of the big breeze injury. We'll talk at length about that uh, as time goes on. Uh, but real quickly, uh, kind of the, the overall stats, um, we only had 244 total yards of offense. Uh, that's not going to get it done. 57 rushing, 187 passing. Third down, we were atrocious, 4-13. Um, thought the defense came out, played a lot better. Uh, held them to five of 13 on uh, third downs, which is really good. Held a Rams team to 380 total yards rushing, which is pretty good. Had some sacks uh, and had a decent pass rush. So uh, from that perspective, they held us in the game for a while through halftime, maybe by the third quarter. But after that, uh, I think the writing was on the wall. And I don't know what it is with the Saints being on the road, but since 2006, since Breeze came in, Saints are one and four versus the Rams on the road. Uh, this one obviously could have gone a completely different way if Breeze stays healthy, uh, but he didn't. And so you got to make those adjustments, make that play. And I'm going to tell you right now, I know we we're going to hold this off to, to a little bit later, but I just got to get this off. The thing that probably ticked me off the most is when Breeze went down, I was waiting for that next person, whoever it was on offense, on defense, whether it's Cam, whether it's Michael Thomas, whether it's Camaro, whether it's somebody to step up and say, follow me get on my back and we're going to go out and we're going to light this up because we know probably our best players out. And I didn't see that. I didn't see the fire. I didn't see it from Peyton uh, throughout the game. There was no sense of urgency. There was no sense of let's get back, let's control this game. It was a, it was a contentment of, well, you know what? Our best guy's out. So we probably don't have a shot of winning anyway. And that, that just infuriated me watching that game. Uh, and, and I was, I was just sorely disappointed. You got athletes making millions of dollars playing a game they're supposed to love. And, and I just, I, I was expecting something I didn't see. And that was very disheartening. Well, and I, I, I thought you had a little spark of that with the Hendricks, Hendrickson uh, fumble cause. Um, granted, we had the whistle blow against us and they had the call back touchdown run by Cam Jordan. Uh, but once that was called back, they really did lose it. And I think you made a great point. Um, you know, I thought they looked dejected. They lost all their energy. Granted, their leader was out. But you got to expect more. And, and coaches always talk about that next man up mentality. And, and we surely didn't see it today. And I was watching the game with some friends. And as soon as that Cam Jordan scoop and score happened, uh, and it was called back. Uh, I, you know, obviously every Saints fan is frustrated at that. You're, you're almost expecting it. You're almost expecting a pivotal play call or a pivotal uh, play in the game that goes our way to somehow miraculously get called back or negated for whatever reason. But when it happened, uh, I, I turned and even mentioned that may have been our only chance to sniff the end zone. Obviously, that was after Breeze went down, uh, and, and my confidence in the team took a hit. I'll be the first to admit that. Bridgewater is no breeze, not even close. Let's not even uh, entertain comparisons there. Uh, but again, we'll, we'll get into the meat of that a little bit later. That's obviously going to be a big focal point of this particular podcast. Yeah, and overall, I, they just played sloppy. Uh, I mean, the penalties were killing us. Just tons of holding calls, false starts. Granted, you're going to have some of that when you have a new cadence and a new voice behind center. Um, poor tackling, I may have said that. Um, 
I don't know if they've watched too much Peanut Tillman or what they're trying to do, punching the ball out. But that's great if you could do that when you have him wrapped up. But you have people just gasping and, and throwing their hands and, and selves at the ball. And you make Cooper Cup look like Walter Payton. Uh, it's just uncalled for. They lost all their fundamentals. And we lost all our creativity. Play calling. Uh, just overall left a really bad taste in the Houdat Nation's mouth today. And look, 11 penalties. 11 penalties. When you're playing a high-caliber team, which I feel the Rams are, um, they do things well. They do things well, and that's what helps them uh, be successful. But you cannot give extra possessions, which we did. You cannot lose yardage on penalties, which we did. Uh, and we just we, we shot ourselves in the foot, tripped over our own feet a few times. And on top of that, you play, you're playing a quality opponent, and they took advantage of that. So, I mean, that's – it's very simple when you look at it from that point of view. And, yes, you're a man down. You're probably your best man down. But as you mentioned, coaching philosophy gives an opportunity for somebody else to come in and try and make a name for themselves. And, uh, obviously, that didn't happen today. Man, I know it's only been two games. But Jared Cook, I, I, not not leave, leaving a lot to be desired. Uh, the first play or the first interception, you know, hits the guy in the hands. Yeah, he got popped pretty good. But then the ball lands on him. And he lets the guy steal it from him. Uh, then he lets another ball later on go right through his hands. He did make one nice catch, but uh, was really expecting him to be a lot more shorthanded. And uh, that, that's been pretty disappointing. Granted, it's only been two day, two uh, games, but I had to make that point. Well, and earlier in the game, uh, he ran a seam route where as soon as he released off the line, he, he the linebacker was playing pretty shallow. He got over that linebacker, and then he waited – three or four steps into the route before turning back. And at that point, he was, you know, sniffing the nose of the safety. Uh, I don't know what, I don't know if that was a miscommunication on his part, but you got you to look for that ball much sooner. You have to understand where that break is in the defense. Turn your head. He was wide open. Could have been a sizable gain, uh, but it didn't happen because he, he, wasn't, uh, he wasn't quick enough on the look and he didn't read the defense enough to make that turn and, and give the QB that target to get those yardage. Uh, and that's just a little thing right there. You know, maybe you call it nitpicking, but you know what? It's professional athlete tight end making again incredible amounts of money to play this game and to catch this ball so i don't think that's too much to ask for somebody to be able to read that defense read the soft spot turn around make the catch and move the sticks it's just uh, just frustrating just frustrating yeah and and i think another example of, of us just losing our, our focus and our mojo when breeze goes down is michael thomas had a, a drop went right through his hands i mean something he never ever does uh, and I think that's just a, another sign or signal that we were shaking. No and, and on that drop, if you initially watch that play, you think Bridgewater throws a bad ball because it's on the back shoulder. Uh, but Bridgewater, in this case, and I'll give him credit here, he made a great throw. Thomas was running into three defenders uh, if I recall right. And so by Bridgewater throwing it on that backside, uh, number one, he helps Thomas not get just crushed as he makes that catch. But number two, it's an uncontested catch if he makes it. Uh, so it was it was a good read and good play on him. Thomas got to come down with that ball. No, there's just no excuses. You've got to make that catch. Yeah, and, and just some other quick stats um, or, or uh, mentions on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, up until about three or four minutes left in the third quarter, you got to say he played lights out. Really, I mean, if you tell somebody you you're going to hold the Rams to six points through the mid uh, midway point of the third quarter, 
Uh, I think most people would be super pleased with that effort. And the run defense looked night and day different than last week, which was a good sign. I don't know if that's all on Yamada or Mario Edwards or what, but that was at least one positive thing. That we saw. I'll tell you what else they did a lot better on, too, was contain. Uh, Cam Cam forced a few plays inside on his end. There were a couple plays they tried to get wide with some lead blockers off the line, and our outside backer did his job by taking the outside man and trying to bump that inside, and we didn't always get the carryover uh, to make the play, but I did think our general uh, you know, breakdowns on the perimeter were much better. We didn't see too many of those busted plays outside. Um, and in the very beginning of the game, defense snuck out two screens early on, running back screen and receiver screen. So they, they were patient. They knew their assignments. Uh, I did think they played very, very well. Um, the first big play of the Rams, that, that deep ball to Cooks, Lattimore just got burned just right out of the gate. There was no double move. There was no stutter step. It was simple mano a mano, and Cooks dared him, and, and Lattimore couldn't keep up. Uh, I don't know if he was looking in the backfield. I don't know if he's trying to read QB, but he just got burned straight out. Um, but having said that, after that massive completion to hold them to three, I thought was a huge win at that time to only get three on the board after that huge play, the momentum. Uh, Rams had everything going for him, and we were able to step up short field and, and keep him at three. I, I thought that was a, a victory there. All right. Well, think about it at halftime. I mean, we held them to six points and three red zone trips. I mean, you do that against the Rams, you, you should win. You should win the game. I think offensively going into halftime, I think the fourth and one call, um, wasn't quite sure if there was a hole or not. It uh, didn't look like much, but Kamara can't, as much as we, we love him, and he usually makes all the right decisions, he did a lot of dancing on that play instead of just hitting the hole full speed, um, you know, fall forward, get the pile to move. He kind of got stood up and then brought back and, that was a huge momentum shift right before halftime. Yeah, it was. And looking at the, the breakdown of run and pass, uh, obviously this is all skewed with Breeze not being in there. It's hard to tell what kind of game plan we would have continued with or how much it was adjusted or changed. But we ended up going 20 runs out of 55 plays for 36%, 35 pass plays out of 55 for 64%. Michael Thomas, 10 receptions, 89 yards, uh, 8.9 yards of play. Bridgewater, 17 of 30 for a buck 65, 57% completion. Uh, and I keep I keep wanting to kind of go on the, the Bridgewater, um, I don't want to say attack, it's not the right word here, but just uh, discuss his game and, and what I feel he brings, what he doesn't bring. But I know we're saving that for a little bit later with the comparisons and the discussion with Hill. Kamara, uh, uh, 13 to 45, three and a half yard average. And then Breeze, three for five, 38 with that one pick that we mentioned earlier going to Jared Cook. But I'll say the, the biggest thing, yes, our defense played well, but you cannot give up the big plays. And we gave those up all day. Cooper Cup, five receptions for 120 yards, an average of 24 yards per catch. Brandon Cooks, three for 74, an average of 25 yards per catch. Uh, so when they connected, they connected where it hurt. Uh, and that's something we need to get short up here as we move forward in our schedule. Yeah, and there were a number of things, obviously, when you, you played this poorly. Um, one of the things that, that I've really noticed was we, we don't get much separation at all for, from our wide receivers. Uh, I think we've come to uh, be spoiled, I guess, if you will, that, that Breeze hits very, very tight windows. And when you have somebody like Bridgewater or any really anybody else, a non-Hall of Famer, I mean, they're looking for people to be open 
and I just don't think we're 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 getting that separation for Ted Ginn not to catch one ball today, not even heard his name. I mean that that's that's uncalled for. It's terrible. Um, you know the other things with with the missed tackles. Again, I touched on that a little bit, but I don't know if it's an effort thing. Uh, I don't know if it's a fundamentals thing. Uh, coaches aren't getting ticked off on the sideline. Um, you know, I thought when Brees had that- coming on. Yeah, and I'm sorry, Jimmy, but that's that's the point I was trying to make earlier, and I, and I kind of feel myself getting fired up again right now. But uh, no matter what level of football you play, no matter what level of football you coach, there's an emotional component to this game. And, yes, there's a fine line between letting that emotion take over and affect your physical performance, but there's also something to be said about that emotion lighting a fire within you to go out and accomplish things on that field and play for each other, play for your team, play for the man that's down. And I didn't see that, and that just frustrates me so much with this team where we try to – uh, promote this this concept of unity and this brotherhood. And, you know, Breeze mentions that almost every game in that breakout huddle. Uh, and, and maybe therein lies the problem. When Breeze out, who, who's, who's carrying that message? Who's bringing that message out? I wanted to see it, and I did not see it when Breeze left. Not from a coach, not from a player. Uh, and and that, that it just leaves a lot to be desired. Leaves a whole lot to be desired. Yeah, just a couple things I wanted to mention before we really jump into the, the Bridgewater debate or discussion um, special teams wise Lutz was solid I mean drilled a long 52 yarder hit the other two no problem uh, I thought the punt returns that the few looks that we got we, we looked pretty good on um, we did have a bad punt return against us I thought the kick didn't have much hang time and the guy caught it kind of full speed heading to the, to the right side of the field and, and was pretty much already set up so they had a pretty big return there but uh, otherwise the other injuries I think uh, a few might be uh a little concerning outside of the breeze injury. You had Traquan Smith go down with an ankle. You had Andrews Pete go down with an ankle. Kirkwood pulling a hammy uh, in warm-ups. Uh, Klein also got hurt. He went back to the game, so I think he'll be okay. Uh, but, man, we have a lot, lot to, to, to work through and have some serious concerns going into these next few weeks. No doubt. No doubt. You got to stay healthy, but that's something that everybody's going to be playing with. So I don't want to use it as a crutch. Don't want to use it as an excuse. Obviously, your Hall of Fame QB goes down. Any team would be hurting and we're no different there. Um, But uh, we got to we got to find a solution. And uh, I don't know if there's anything else you wanted to mention, James, before we got into that discussion. But I feel like that's kind of a natural transition there. Um, you know, rumors are, are just rampant right now. Breeze is going to meet with a hand specialist tomorrow, looking at his demeanor on the sideline. As soon as he was hurt, helmet was nowhere to be found. That was a big in- indication for me that this was something he wasn't coming back in this game for sure. Later on in the broadcast, they saw him bending down, trying to pick up a ball, could not even grip the ball. Jimmy, I want to go to you here, uh, playing the quarterback position through high school and even in college at Rhodes Division Three. Break down specifically how much a quarterback depends on the thumb for proper delivery of that ball with velocity, with accuracy. Just touch on that from, from a perspective of somebody who's done it and somebody who can really explain, you know, not, not all five digits are equal here and just the role that the thumb plays and being able to play quarterback and being able to play it well. No, but bottom line is it's the most important because, you know, we, we have the, the grip type function of our hands 
And, you know, if you have a sprained index finger or a middle finger or a ring finger or a pinky, you can tape them together. You could do various things and still throw the ball without a problem. The thumb is the only finger or, or digit you have on the other side of your hand to squeeze. And if he can't grip the ball or squeeze it, you can't throw. And if you can't throw, you can't play. So um, I don't know much about the ligaments of the hand, but they're talking about the UCL. And I read a few things myself that if it requires any kind of surgery, um, you know, you're looking at probably three months before being able to, to, to fully use it again. Um, that would put us mid-December or so with only a few weeks left in the season. Um, you know, that let's hope it's not that and that it doesn't require surgery. Maybe it's a bad sprain or something like that. Uh, but we'll, we should hear something within the next day or two. Yeah, yeah. Now, the the again, I, I try to be the eternal optimist when it comes to the Saints. Uh, we need to figure out what we're doing at quarterback in the meantime, because no matter what the results show on that, uh, you know, on that that visit tomorrow, whether it's MRI, whether it's you know X-ray, whatever the case may be, he's not going to be back in the foreseeable future. Uh, best case scenario, you know, I've seen four to six, like you've mentioned. I've also seen six to eight, eight to ten, ten to twelve. It's all a guessing game right now. Nobody knows, but I will say, with Breeze's presser, again his demeanor, he was dejected. Uh, which leads me to believe that he knows he either knows something we don't or obviously it's his hand. He, he knows what he feels. He knows what his capabilities are. And he also knows what his limitations are with this injury. Uh, he, he felt he was very concerned by it, And I believe those were his exact words uh, that he was concerned. So um, not not good news for the Houdat Nation at all. Uh, and this is, does not seem to be a quick resolution uh, in sight. So with that, we have to figure out what we're doing uh, in arguably the most important position of our team. Teddy Bridgewater had week 17 last year. He had the game today, and I'm not convinced he's our he's our heir apparent. I'm, I'm just not. Uh, and what's, what's discouraging is in 2014, he was the NFL Offensive Rookie of the Year. Uh, now to me in this game, he was just offensive. That's all it was. Uh, and that's a shout-out to Clifton, by the way. He brought that point up when we were watching the game. Uh, and, look, that, that's a little bit of an emotional kind of reaction. He did have some good plays here and there. Uh, but at the same time, I thought he was very indecisive with his throws. He went through early progressions. He might have went one, might have went two, and then he was looking to bail. When he did have an opportunity to run, he would, he, again, he would be indecisive. He would look up, should I run? Nope, let me pull it up. Nope, nope, I shouldn't. I should run back. Well, in that time, you're giving the defense opportunity to eliminate whatever game you had on them uh, which with whatever decision you made, whether you're trying to throw it to an open area or whether you're trying to run to convert a first to get some yardage. Uh, you cannot be indecisive. You just can't. You have to be ready to either execute or step off. So I was, I was frustrated with that. There was one particular play, Taysom's coming in motion, going to the other side of the formation. Bridgewater's about to snap the ball. Taysom has to wave Bridgewater down to, to pause him to allow Taysom to go ahead, cross the formation, align on the other side, and reset. Um, I, you know, I don't know if it's nerves. I don't know if it's, it's still kind of getting the system. But, look, you're two years in. There's no more excuses if you don't know the system. Uh, and what I do know, I mentioned this to quite a few people. Jimmy, I even texted you with this. To me, right now in his stage, Bridgewater is a game manager. And I really don't like using that term because I think it's overused very often. But if we're up, if we're up by a possession or two, 
I feel pretty confident Taysom, uh, excuse me, Bridgewater can go in there and and be conservative enough with the football that we're probably not going to have a big turnover, but at the same time, we're not going to have explosive plays going down the field. We were one possession down. I didn't get any sense of excitement at the possibility of coming up, and then two possessions down. It seemed like the whole team realized they were in a hole that they couldn't be dug out of. At least with Taysom, you get the excitement uh, of a very, very athletic player who can do many different things with that ball. Um, and uh, initially, I was I was irate that we didn't have Taysom out on that field. Uh, again, just emotionally charged. I wanted to make something happen. wanted to get somebody out there who could do something. Uh, but then, obviously, you're one quarterback down. If you play your backup quarterback as the receiver, as the running back, and they get hurt, now you're down to one quarterback. But looking ahead well, to next week, we have to make a decision there. And for me, that decision's Taysom Hill. It's got to be. Yeah, I mean, he, he he's serviceable. I mean, Bridgewater's okay. He, he was very indecisive. But you could see it in preseason, and I hate to even think about preseason. But – I mean, we sputtered down the field. We might have got a touchdown here and there or a field goal. But when Taysom was in, things are happening. And when, when the play breaks down and he takes off, it's not just to get a couple yards and slide. He takes off and he's getting chunks. And that would ch- totally change the defense, especially like today, if they had to switch mid-game and have to prepare and deal with a scrambling quarterback who can run and lower his shoulder, uh, I think that could have given us a shot. I mean, it was 6-6. We were in the game, tie score. Um, came out, got a three and out in the second half, uh, and then went and kicked the field goal to tie it up. Um, I just felt like we, we didn't give ourselves a chance. No, and, and the key is what you said, lower your shoulder. Because people are going to say, well, wait a minute, Bridgewater can throw and he can run. Yeah, he can, but you know what? That defense isn't fearing him on short yardage situation or fearing him running over somebody instead of running out of bounds. Taysom has all three. He's got the legs to run. He's got the arm to throw and he's got the mentality to conquer. And, and that's well, something I wanted to see today. And, and Aikman of all people uh, even said, you know, you've heard the quote several times now, if you're a Saints fan that Sean Payton thinks he could be the next Steve Young. If you really believe he's that talented, you're going to keep him on a bench or at least, you know, keep him at tight end or wide receiver or wherever else you had him. Let him let him get some reps. We, we were especially once we were down by two touchdowns. I mean, you had nothing to lose. Throw him in there. And guess what? If he gets hurt, you still have Bridgewater. So I don't I don't see the issue there. Well, nothing to lose and everything to gain. You're going to see what you've got. See if you can make a spark. Uh, and Jimmy, you know this. Anybody who's played organized sports, you play. Not only sometimes in a negative light you play to the level of your opponents, but you also play to the level of your teammates. And I truly believe, I firmly believe, Taysom gets in there, there's a different hope, there's a different spark, and some of the rest of those players may start showing some of that fire. And I don't mean that disrespectfully to Bridgewater, but you can't help as a player but have that just intrinsic kind of motivation to to achieve and accomplish if you know that the person next to you is more capable of doing that than the one before. So who knows what kind of catalyst Hill would be to the rest of the team, and you can see that. Whether whether it relates or, or whether it results in points or not, you can see the difference that your 11 have on that field than they did before and see if that's something that you want to devote your time to, devote your playbook to, devote your coaching to here in this next week as we prepare to go to Seattle. Uh, uh, you know, you can't you can't expect a home run hitter to only be given one at bat 
every five games to show what they're worth. So what I would love to see, if we make this decision to go with Hill, let's put in a game plan of 20 to 25 passes. Let's see what he can do. And regardless of what the outcome is, at least we know. Breeze is not going to play for five more years as much as we want him to. So we have to figure out if we have the answer to his uh, being his successor on our team or not. I, Troy, do not believe it's Teddy Bridgewater. That's just me. Uh, do, do I believe it's Taysom Hill? I don't know yet. We haven't seen enough. We haven't been given that sample size. I don't believe he's been given that opportunity to prove that in a consistent manner and a manner in which the team was revolved around him, uh, him and his abilities. And speaking of five, uh, five years from now, I mean, th- there was the breaking news before the game that Peyton re-inked for another five years. So he's going to be around. So he's got to be wondering, especially now with Breeze's injury, you know, who's going to be my guy? He needs to sit down or look himself in the mirror and say, does Bridgewater give us the best chance to win next week? That's what we need to, to answer because every week is a war and we need to, to get as many W's under our belt as possible before Breeze gets back. Um, you know, Bridgewater, let's not forget, he had a tragic injury. I mean, his knee was torn to shreds and maybe that's part of the reason why he, there's just a li- little bit of a, I don't want to say intimidation or, or timidness, but he just, you said the word earlier, he just doesn't look decisive. He doesn't look like, okay, I'm taking my drop, boom, 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 first read, second read, get rid of the ball or take off. You know what I mean? Uh, it was just frustrating to watch. And and for Saints fans who usually live on the edge with the blood pressure, by the third, middle of the third, fourth quarter, I had no blood pressure issues because I knew we were, we were in trouble. And I was just watching the rest of the game. And I'm going to say this, it takes a tremendous amount for me to be disinterested at the end of a Saints game. And I don't mean disinterested simply because of the score. I can handle that. I mean, if we're just, we're getting beat, we're getting beat. I know I've said it three times already and I feel like a broken record, but I just can't get over how we just accepted this loss. That's how I feel right now. I feel like we accepted it. We didn't try and beat it. We didn't try to defend it. We didn't try to fight back. I just, it seemed like, you know what? Hey, our guy's down. We can't change it. So let's just go through the motion. Uh, and and so, yeah, at the end of the game, I was just counting down the, the, the clock, waiting for it to get over. And that that, that just infuriates me as, as a fan and as passionate of a fan I am. Uh, but you know what? If I can be that passionate as a fan, I'm not making millions. Why can't they be as passionate as well and fight for something. Even if it doesn't look like there's much to gain, fight for something, fight for the chance to, to, to battle again next week. Uh, real quick, Jimmy, just on the on the breeze front, uh, just got a text from someone. Uh, now, let me just throw this out there. Uh, we have no idea what the validity is of this text, but somebody claiming to have sources within the Saints organization says that breeze thumb is basically broken in half and is set to have surgery tomorrow in LA, likely out for the season. Uh, again, no validity to this. Somebody just claiming to have sources within the Saints organization, uh, but claiming that it is essentially broken. Breeze will have surgery tomorrow and likely out for the season. Uh, apparently, this news is supposed to come out in the next few days. Uh, now, just as I've said earlier, I'm the eternal optimist. The one thing I will say, looking around the league, it's only been two weeks. James, eight or nine wins may take this division. Uh, it doesn't awesome. appear to be as, as stacked as it has been in the years past. Uh, again, it's only two weeks in. But if we can figure something out at the QB position, and I'm not interested in the whole, if you have two QBs, I believe you don't have any. 
Um, I don't want to flip-flop back and forth. If, if Peyton and the staff think Bridgewater is the best, hey, they get paid to make those decisions, not me. But we need to stick with it and go with it. If they want to give Taysom a shot, let's give Taysom a shot. If the team responds more favorably to that, then we need to devote it to him and move on accordingly. We cannot bounce back and forth. I don't believe any consistency can happen with that. And, and you start to look at divide within the locker room with who thinks who can be the better leader. Um, so we just we really need to take a long look in the mirror of our team this next week, figure out who we are, what we're playing for, and how hungry we are to get there. Yeah. And, and as far as that text comes through, it doesn't sound extremely medical when it said thumb broken in half. Uh, that was kind of interesting. But, um, you know, most people will tell you a broken bone is better than a torn ligament. Um, so if it's just a fracture in a, in a bone, I, th I think that's great news. If it's any kind of dislocation or, or ligaments torn from the bone or anything like that, uh, I think that's going to be more problematic for us. Um, I believe he did say, or I thought I read somewhere that there was an x-ray done at halftime. And if, if it was just a broken bone, we would have known that already, I believe. And maybe that is where, where this is coming from. I'm not sure. But to Troy's point, um, they need to figure out who they're going with, give that person all the, the reps. Um, I do think, you know, it won't work every week, but I do think if you put in a package that was very specific to Hill and got him going next week, um, I think, you know, nobody has that much film on him. All they have is lead option and a few of those, the RPOs. Um, but otherwise, I, I think he can devise some really cool packages for him to get us to move the ball. That's right. And the last thing I'll kind of mention about Breeze, if you watched his pressure, uh, his presser, excuse me, Somebody asked him, hey, was it difficult to be on the sideline as you're watching your, your offense kind of flutter and falter throughout the game? Uh, and he said, absolutely. He said, I'm not used to being on the sidelines, and I don't want to get used to it anytime soon or something to that effect. And that's what you would expect Breeze to say. So whether that's six weeks from now, whether that's ten weeks from now, uh, worst-case scenario, let's say he's out for the year. Obviously, this is his last contracted year. Uh, Breeze will not end his career like this. It won't happen. So, uh, you know, I, I don't want to hypothesize here, but just hearing that he doesn't want to get used to being on the sideline, uh, that bodes well for all of Houdat Nation. Uh, and here's hoping that tomorrow we get a little bit more clarity on this and figure out exactly what kind of timetable we're working with. Yeah, the one, one thing he also said at the presser that, that concerned me was he said, you know, playing ball your whole life, you hit your hands on, on helmets, on other players, and you might get a jammed thumb or a swole, you know, a, a swollen thumb or something like that. He said, but, but when this happened, he felt it, it was different. He said, you know, he just felt that it was, it was significant. Um, so that part definitely scares us as Saints fans, but um, you know, we got to suck it up and, and figure out uh, who's going to step up. And if it's any indication, the way it went today is how we step up. We're, we're in a whole lot of trouble. Um, but if we get Hill or somebody else or whether it's Bridgewater or whatever, Maybe with the whole week with the ones, you know, maybe that 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 gives him a better chance. If we don't go to Hill, um, the defense has got to step up. The leaders in that locker room have to step up and say, "Look, you know, the, the season's not not lost by by any stretch." Um, well, and this is this is this is where you prove that, right? I mean, look, it's easy to be a leader when you win in the division, when you've gone to the NFC Championship game, when you've gone to the divisional game the year before. Uh, now is the time when leaders are showcased. Now's the time when you step out from the crowd in the back and you, you step out in the front and you tell everybody, follow me. But if you're saying that, you better be prepared to, to work your tail off to prove that you belong in that spot. 
Uh, and I know we've got the guys. I know that. Cam Jordan is that guy. Demario Davis can be that guy. Michael Thomas can be that guy. But somebody has to step up because right now our backs are pinned against the wall and we need to figure out who we are. What's our identity with our leader out and who's going to lead us there? Yeah. And, it, you know, it, it starts next week. Uh, they're not coming back to New Orleans. They're going to stay on the West Coast. Uh, and, Which I, it's a great idea. That is a great idea to try and, again, just maintain that consistency and not have too much of a disruption in the week. But it'll, they'll, they'll have to bond, and this isn't something you normally do and not come home at all between two games. Uh, by playing against the 12th man at, at CenturyLink Field, uh, Seattle's always a tough place to play. Uh, obviously, a lot of us remember a couple of playoff games there that really didn't go our way. Uh, however, I don't think Seattle's nearly as good of a team as they used to be, although they're 2-0. So they, they, they have some good players. Obviously, Russell Wilson can scramble, can move around. you got to contain him like we did or like we tried to do with Deshaun Watson. Um, on defense, they got Lockett. I mean, on the offense, they got Lockett uh, and Chris Carson, a big back, Rashard Penny. And on defense, you got to account for Wagner and, and Clowney now. So um, they, they bring a lot to the table. They had a good win against uh, Pittsburgh today, knocked out Roethlisberger. Um, you know, it's a tough place to play. And and you, you hopefully can come back with the win because then we have a really difficult game against the Cowboys, uh, living in Dallas, seeing all the press clippings, but actually watching some of their games. Uh, they look really, really good. And they're strong just about at every position. So we got our work cut out for us in the next few weeks. Sure. No doubt. No doubt. Uh, Russell Wilson, you know, a lot of those comparisons with Breeze being a shorter guy, a little, a little, you know, under stature, so to speak. But uh, he is a playmaker. Bottom line, no matter how you look at it, threw for 300 yards today, three touchdowns, no picks, 29 of 35. Uh, a very smart player. And that's, uh, that's an attribute that I know gets tossed around with him in particular. He's not going to make many boneheaded plays. He's not going to force anything that's not there. He's going to be smart taking what's in front of him, whether that's through the air or through the ground. you got two very capable backs, Chris Carson, Rashad Penny, as you mentioned. Even C.J. Procise can come in. you got Tyler Lockett, who's the speedster. And then you got the rookie, D.K. Metcalf, uh, who had some a lot of hype coming around his workout videos and just his size, a big, big-bodied receiver. Uh, so we, we have our work cut out, out for us, no doubt. And, and now you have to even worry about their tight end, Will Disley. Uh, what an interesting name that is, but he had two touchdowns today. So, um, you know, you're going to have to account for everyone. Yep, that's right. And for me, later on in the game, and, you know, again, this is when kind of our, our fire went out, but uh, I don't know why we were playing this soft zone, but the middle of the field was open way too often. Uh, I don't know if we wanted to just take away the, the deep, you know, the deep middle uh, and, and force everything on the outside, but we left that open. Uh, excuse me, we left that middle of the field open way too much uh, towards the end of this game. And uh, I know if I saw that, then so did all these opposing coaches. So we need to get that uh, taken care of before we head up to Seattle next week. And, and what is Eli Apple doing? What is the deal with at least two or three PIs every game? He's, he's become our Ken Crawley. I, I don't understand. Again, he's usually in position. He's, he's pretty much right there most of the time. And, and he just needs some coaching. He needs to be coached up. And I, I don't understand what's going on. If he's just not coachable and not listening or he's not getting the instruction he needs. But it's very frustrating. 
Yeah, and I don't know if that is a byproduct of the aggressiveness that he's trying to play with, trying to make a play. Uh, one of the PIs he got today, I thought, uh, you know, I guess being a homer a little bit, I thought was a little weak. He did have his hand around the guy, but in no way uh, was it preventing that receiver from using his arm. I thought he made a great play with the front arm, deflecting that ball away. But again, you know, just with our luck with the refs here, uh, you just can't you can't make it appear that you're trying to wrap your hand around the guy. So we, we've got to learn from that. I mean, that's that's something that's so easy to fix or at least address. And then in the heat of the moment, the heat of gameplay, you know, maybe it happens, maybe it doesn't. And look, you and I both know every single game, there's pass interference everywhere that doesn't get called. Every single game, there's holding along those lines that don't get called. Today, it sure seemed like uh, every mistake we made was magnified, highlighted, and, and called out. Uh, and I'm never one, never one to say that the refs caused the game one way or the other, uh, because I believe it's between the 22 on the field. Uh, but there's no denying the fact that we've been on the wrong end of several calls for several games now, uh, and it, it's just uh, it's disheartening. We talk about player accountability. We talk about coaches' accountability, who's on the hot seat. Uh, where, where is that discussion for these referees that play such a pivotal role in these games? Uh, you have to have a universal standard across the board, and I think that's probably the biggest issue a lot of Saints fans have and NFL fans across the country because this happens everywhere is where is the accountability for these referees? What standard yeah. are we holding them to? I mean, they, uh, they need to be held accountable more often, uh, and, and it does just flat out suck that it's happened to us, you know, three three weeks in a row now. But, you know, you would think over the course of a season that stuff will even itself out. Um, it, it was a very difficult pill to swallow today. Um, but, I, but, you know, I, I think another big piece of the game today was the lack of Kamara's involvement. Um, obviously, we weren't getting the running game going for whatever reason. That was shut down. But usually we can get him involved in the passing game. And I don't know if he was really that bottled up. I don't know if Bridgewater could get it to him. Um, they lined him up. I noticed a lot today they lined him up in at the wide receiver position more often than I'm used to seeing uh, a lot of times he wasn't even in the backfield and I'm not sure what the reason was that for, for that was, but um, we've got to get him involved. And then one thing that, that that's a little bit lighter, not, not a very serious issue. Did anybody else see Malcolm Brown, our defensive tackle wearing long sleeves in September in 85 degrees? Wasn't really sure what that was all about. Maybe he's a little cold-blooded. I don't know, but I, I had to point that out. I thought that was a little, a little bizarre. Well, if we're going for bizarre uh, notices, uh, I did enjoy one particular series where our D-line was the numbers 91, 92, 93, and 94. I'm a numbers guy. So having that sequential lineup there was was pretty amusing to me. Gave me oh, a nice little, nice little chuckle uh, in an evening full of despair. Uh, but going back to your Camara. Uh, as a receiver point, Taysom Hill was targeted the same amount of times Camara was. And that's that's a problem when Hill is only on the field 7%, 8% of our offensive plays. They were both targeted three times. So there's something there. Uh, and I'm hoping there's a reason we didn't get him as involved. It's probably not a very good reason as you look at the score and what we were able to do. But uh, second most targeted receiver was Jared Cook. Targeted seven times, only had two receptions. That has well, got to change, and that that that's that's his drops. I mean, that goes to his drops. 
But well, uh, the ball didn't the ball didn't travel more than twenty or thirty yards ever the whole game. I mean, you no, there was there was a couple that might have went fifteen, maybe, yeah, but uh, it, we weren't looking deep. We, we you got to loosen a defense up if you're not throwing anything long, they're just going to continue to creep up, creep up, take away all your intermediate routes, all your your out routes, your curls, your your option routes. And I, th- I think that's what happened. Or oh, that's part of what happened. I mean, there was a lot of reasons. Uh, we didn't pass protect. Uh, uh, you could almost go to the Jim Mora rant. We didn't block well. We didn't tackle well. We didn't throw the ball. We didn't catch the ball. I mean, it was it was a rough, rough game. Yeah, well, and uh, Warford got demolished multiple times by Aaron Donald. Uh, I noticed particularly with the swim move. And look, that's not really a knock on Warford. Donald does that to many linemen across the league. Uh, but I was a little surprised. There was there were quite a few one-on-ones there, where I don't know if we just our bravado was a little was a little high from last week, uh, or what. But uh, uh, let me let me look. I'm gonna say this one other thing. Here's a little note I had circled. Latavius Murray got the penalty for the blindside block. Now I know that that rule was changed this past offseason, but I'm gonna say every NFL coach, every collegiate coach, every high school coach. Five years ago and before, jumped out of their chair screaming, saying what a fantastic block it was. It wasn't blindside, in my opinion. It was shoulder-led to the chest of the opponent, not to the shoulder, not to the back. It was a beautiful block that uh, two years ago would have been, you know, would have been met with uh, celebration, and instead we get the, we get the penalty for that. Uh, and, and that's just that's a difference from old school and new school. I am all for player safety. That's not what this is about. Uh, but it was just a great football play, uh, heads up play, smart play to try and uh, try and eliminate the threat. But uh, just you know, it's a different game now, and so we have to adapt. That's bottom line. It's the same for every other team. But I just thought, uh, as a coach, that was a great play, and you know, I, I was I would have been proud of him to, for doing that. Uh, provided we didn't get the the yellow hanky there at the end. And it it wasn't dirty. And um, honestly, I like the physicality. Um, obviously, if it's a close game and you know that, that that's a penalty now, you got to refrain from doing it. But I, I thought he was really trying to help make something happen in a, a broken play. And um, so it was good to see him step up and, and at least try to do that. Well, and, and that goes to part of our, our conversation earlier with just bringing the fire out. I'm not saying do anything dirty. I'm not saying to do anything outside of what, what we feel is important uh, as a Saints organization, as a Saints football team. And talked about last week playing, you know, the Houdat brand of football. You play smart, you play aggressive, and you play to win. Uh, we didn't play smart today. I don't feel we played aggressive. And towards the end of the game, the play calling was atrocious. Uh, we're running two, you know, first down, second down, when you're down two possessions. Uh, again, just going back to the fact that we, we just accepted defeat today. And, and I can't I can't stand that. I, I can't stand it, and I, I won't stomach that because uh, not only do the players deserve better than that, but the fans deserve better than that as well. Maybe, maybe I'm overreacting here. I don't know, but uh, I, I can accept a defeat where we, where we just ball out and we're just exhausted, and they had a better, better game plan than us, or they out-schemed us, or they out-coached us. Uh, but today, I just think they had more heart. I really do, and that that is what kind of hurts the most with today's game because we're better than that. Yeah, we, we are. But but I would say that to, in wrapping up, um, one thing that that really sh- showed itself today. Granted, with with Breeze, it was a different story, but their wide receiver core is is much better than ours from a depth perspective. I'd, I'll put Thomas against anybody. 
but we, we are about one deep right now at the receiver spot. So we're going to have to, to get better there. But, but, you know, bottom line, good news is the sun will still come out tomorrow. We're going to have to put our heads down. and, and That was beautiful. Is that Ralph Waldo Emerson? <laughs> and, and figure out <laughs> what we're going to have to do. Uh, hopefully get some decent news from, from on the breeze front. Uh, bond, get the chemistry going. Do what you need to do. Come up with a, an awesome game plan to beat Seattle in Seattle. And there's nothing else to do. Just go out there and, and make it happen. So that, that's really the final word for me. Hey, I'm with you. Look, I used to tell my kids all the time, every single day when you wake up, you got two choices. Get better or stay the same. And so for Saints fans, for the Saints team, we got to wake up tomorrow committed to getting better and committed to proving it out on that field. Guys, hope you all enjoyed tonight's uh, podcast. Same time next week. We're looking forward to it. Seattle, week three. We got to come back from this, and we will. So, Goldboros, we're out. Until next time. Who that? Who that?